This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, Tony Llewellyn is from Australia, preacher there. Imagine your neighbors next door are desperate. They've got no food. Their clothing is so old, it's falling off of them into rags. No matter how hard they try, they can't get a job. You're relaxing, you're watching TV in the family room, there's a knock on your door, you open the door, and there's one of your neighbors, and you haven't seen him in a while. You take a look at him and say, wow, Bob, you've lost a lot of weight, haven't you? We need help, he says. We're starving. We're losing everything. You can see our clothes are falling off of us. And gee, you say, that's too bad, Bob. I wish I could help. I really do. We're down to only three meals a day, and I haven't bought a new shirt for two weeks. But hey, let me pray with you. Hey, let me pray with you. And Tony Llewellyn says, what sort of faith is that? What sort of faith is that? We're going to study today a passage of Scripture that's not only one of the most famous in all of the New Testament, it's actually one of the most controversial, and I'll explain why. There were some people who rejected the book of James when it was added to the New Testament. They said because they felt it contradicted some of what Paul said. Paul in Romans 3 and Ephesians 2 said we're saved by grace through faith. The salvation we have comes by faith in Jesus Christ, not through anything we do. And then James comes along and says, wait a minute. Faith without works, without action, is dead. And the word he uses for dead is really interesting medically. It's the word necros. We get the word necrotic. It's a terrible thought medically, but if any of you have had a relative, or maybe you, with necrotic skin or necrotic flesh, it means it's dead and it has to be removed. And that's the word that James says, faith without works is necros, it's dead. Let's read about this famous passage in the book of James as we're preaching through this book of the Bible. We're in chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds. Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about it, his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. If you underline in your Bible, underline that phrase because I'm going to talk about it. Even the demons believe that and shudder. They shake. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And here's the key verse, as the body without the spirit is dead, 
so faith without deeds is dead. Well, in your daily life, have you ever run into a person that you would describe as a talker, but not a doer? Maybe where you go to school, there are talkers, but they're not doers. There are people at work who are talkers, but not doers. There are people in the body of Christ, according to James, who are talkers, but not doers. We'll continue tomorrow on Crossover. That's crossover.org. This may sound like a negative illustration, but I don't mean to be whatever, disrespectful. But have you ever been at a funeral home where somebody commented on the deceased and said, don't they look good? Don't they look natural? I have, I've heard that many times, and I'm not mocking that. I'm not criticizing that. But there's part of me that wants to say, but he's dead. She's dead. And there's nothing that can be done that can make up for the fact of the deadness of the person because where there's no life, there's death. Where there's no breath, there's no life, etc. And so it is. I'm using it to emphasize this passage of Scripture where James says, without faith, it's just like the body without the spirit. It's dead. It's dead. I have no idea what I'm doing here. I'm using an illustration by a comedian that I think is terrible in terms of his humor. Louis C.K., anybody know? Don't admit it if you do. I don't think he's a good comedian in terms of material. But he's got a great story of what he talks about, what he believes. Here's what he said. I have a lot of beliefs, and I live by none of them. What a statement. I have a lot of beliefs, and I live by none of them. That's just the way I am. They're just my beliefs. I like believing them. I like that part. I like believing them. They're my little believies, is the phrase he used. My little believies. They make me feel good about who I am. But if they get in the way of a thing I want, I sure as heck, and he didn't use the word heck, do what I want to. I sure as heck do what I want to. I have a lot of beliefs, but I live by none of them. I'm going to suggest to you that describes Christian men and women and young people in the United States of America in 2020 who said, I have my beliefs. I just don't live by them. I don't let them get in the way of what I want to do and where I want to go and who I want to be with and so forth and so on. I have a lot of beliefs, but I live by none of them. Wow, what a statement, and what a lesson for today. Let's look at a few verses. I want to talk about that verse 19. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Please don't make the mistake in life of thinking that believing in God is your ticket to heaven. It's not. You're simply believing in God. I still remember from high school, a high school teacher standing in front of the class and very kind of almost arrogantly, well, I suppose I believe in God. Like he was doing God a favor. Like, God, I'm sure you appreciate the fact that I believe in you. And what is James says, even the demons believe there's a God, and they shudder in fear. 
They shake in fear of Almighty God. The point I'm making here is don't look at just simply making a mental acknowledgement of God's existence as my entry into heaven, because it is not. Well, I don't know if you've ever had the thought that you know what the magic ticket is to heaven. A lot of people do. They think they know the right combination of good things to do and the right things to say, and hopefully that will get me into heaven. It's all about Christ, and it's all about what He accomplished on the cross. Our website is crossover.org. That's one word, crossover.org. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Do you know anyone in your family with a dead faith? Does that describe you or me with a dead faith? Where we talk about what we believe, there's only one problem. We don't do anything about it. Have any of you heard of the thing they do in Pamplano, Spain, the running of the bulls? Bill Hillman is a journalist from Chicago who's supposedly an expert about Pamplona, Spain, where they run with the bulls. He wrote a book called How to Survive the Bulls of Pamplona. July 3rd, 2014, he was gored by a bull along with another person. And he made this comment. I may have to update the book. Boy, I got that, the humor there. I may have to update the book that I was gored by a bull. You know, do you say the right things? Do you believe the right things? It's a good start, but it's not enough. You may be in danger of fooling yourself into thinking you're okay, but neither what we say nor what we believe is evidence of true faith. You've got to live it. You've got to live it. What are you living in terms of your faith? Faith that you believe has got to enable you to do something. And so here's my $64,000 question. What has your faith enabled you to do in your family? What has your faith enabled you to do at work or at school? What has your faith enabled you to do in the community? If you can't point to anything, and I can't point to anything, we can't brag about what a great person of faith that we are when we can't point to anything that our faith enables us to do. I love this story told by Andy Cook of Warner Robins, Georgia. Years ago, we lived in one state, and my parents lived in another. The visits were few and far between, and so we did what we could to keep my parents in touch with their grandchildren. One day, our girls sat down in front of the old cassette tape recorder, remember those antiques? And we sent an audio letter to their grandmother. The older one read from a book, the younger one interrupted, and the older one scolded. The younger one finally got a turn, and she made up her own story, then sang a song. On and on it went, two children trying to outdo one another, creating a cassette tape that would be valuable to precious few people in the world. Months later, I picked up the details from the receiving end of the project. My mother had listened to that cassette tape so many times the tape broke. She played it over 
and over again because it meant so much to her to hear the voices of her two granddaughters. And she took scotch tape and she patched the tape together to rewind it. She said, I just want to hear it one more time. I just want to hear it one more time. And then Andy Cook makes this point. What are you willing to do to reach out to people? What, what do people mean in your life to you that you're willing to do and go the extra mile? Well, tomorrow on Crossover, we're going to share part one of probably one of the most powerful stories you have ever heard. And I really mean that. It's one of my top 10 of the stories that I tell over the years about India. I want you to hear it tomorrow on Crossover. That's Crossover.org. It's a lot easier to pray for a foolish man or a foolish woman than it is to go visit them. It's a lot easier to pray about a lot of things than to do something. When have you ever come to the place in your life where you start living out your prayers, he said? You start living out and fulfilling your prayers for people. I think it's a great word. Some of you may remember who Tony Campalo was. Tony Campalo was a professor. He's not without controversy. He was involved with President Clinton as an advisor, and I'm not going to get into that part of it. But he tells a great imaginary story that I want to share with you that speaks to this passage of Scripture. He said, a story is told of a town where all the residents were ducks. Every Sunday, the ducks waddle out of their houses and waddle down the street to their church. They waddle into the sanctuary, and they squat in their pews. The duck choir waddles in and takes its place. And the minister, the duck minister, comes forward and opens the duck Bible, whatever that means. He reads to them, ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly, and the wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings. You can fly like birds. And all the ducks shout, Amen. Amen. And then they all waddle home. And they all waddle home. It's time for people in the body of Christ to stop waddling, Tony says, and start walking and start flying and start doing things for the kingdom of God. James gives the illustrations of Abraham and Rahab, and people are amazed at Rahab. You know, when I I preached two messages about Rahab in the Joshua sermon series, how that God would take a woman of ill repute, a prostitute, and use her as a role model of obedience to God's Word and obedience to the, the will of God in her life. And God can use anybody. Remember that. God can use anybody to accomplish His will. I don't use bathroom humor in jokes. I don't like bathroom jokes. Some preachers tell them without batting an eye, and I don't. But this is an unpleasant story with unpleasant details, but it's going to grab your heart. And when you leave here today, you are going to be impacted by the power of this story. That's how strong it is. I really believe that. It's told by Doug Nichols of Bothell, Washington. 
He said, while serving with Operation Mobilization in India, tuberculosis forced me into a sanitarium in India for several months. Can you imagine you're an American, you go to India, you get tuberculosis, and you go to a government-run sanitarium in India because you didn't have any money for months. It had to be a depressing time in his, in his life. I didn't speak the language, but I tried to witness and give Christian literature written in their language to the patients, the doctors, and the nurses. Everyone politely refused. Nobody would take his... Christian literature, quote-unquote. I sense that many weren't happy about a rich American. To them, all Americans are rich, being in a free, government-run sanitarium. They didn't know I was just as broke as they were. Well, I'm going to ask you to make every effort to hear the conclusion of this story tomorrow, one of the most powerful stories I think I've ever told. Crosshope.org. I sense that many weren't happy about a rich American. To them, all Americans are rich, being in a free, government-run sanitarium. They didn't know I was just as broke as they were. The first few nights, I woke up around 2 a.m. coughing. One morning during my coughing spell, I noticed that one of the older and sicker patients across the aisle was trying to get out of bed. He's in a ward where there's like 20 or 30 beds. I mean, there's no privacy at all in this hospital, this sanitarium. He would sit up on the edge of the bed and he would try to stand, but in weakness, he would just fall back into the bed. I didn't understand what he was trying to do. He finally fell back into bed, exhausted. I heard him cry softly. The next morning, I realized what all he'd been trying to do. He'd been trying to get up and go to the bathroom. That's all. The stench in our ward was awful. Other patients yelled insults at the man. If you can believe this, angry nurses moved him roughly from side to side as they cleaned up the mess. One nurse even slapped him across the face. The old man curled up into a ball and wept. The next night, I woke up again coughing. I noticed the man across the aisle sit up again and try to stand. Like the night before, he fell back, whimpering. I didn't want to become involved. I don't like bad smells, Doug said. But I got out of bed, and I went over to him. He was very light due to old age. I put my arms around him and picked him up. I carried him to the bathroom, which was a filthy small room with a hole in the floor. I've seen those in India. I know what they are. I stood behind him with my arms under his armpits as he took care of himself. After he finished, I picked him up and carried him back to his bed. As I laid him down, he kissed me on the cheek, smiled and said something I couldn't understand. The next morning, another patient woke me and handed me a cup of tea. He motioned with his hands that he wanted one of my tracks. As the sun rose, other patients approached and indicated they also wanted the booklets that I had tried to distribute earlier. You know, weeks earlier, nobody would take them. Throughout the day, nurses, interns, and doctors even asked for literature. Weeks later, an evangelist who spoke the language visited me, and as he talked, To others, he discovered that several had put their trust in Christ as a result of reading the literature. 
What did it take to reach these people? It wasn't health. It wasn't the ability to speak their language or persuasive talk. He said, I just took a guy to the bathroom. That's all I did. They weren't impressed with me trying to speak their language. They weren't impressed with my teaching or my preaching. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. But once I did something that motivated people to believe, this is what a Christian does. Can we have your literature? Now, here's my question in wrapping up today. What have you done ever in your life, my life, that has motivated one person to say, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about the Lord because of you and because of what you do. I think that's a powerful question. Faith without actions is necros, it's dead. And James says, don't brag that you believe in God. Even the demons believe and they tremble, they shake. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.